Hey, Steph Reed here with episode 14 of Autism, Neurodiversity and Me podcast. I am really grateful to be here with you today. So I've had a crazy few weeks. I've just moved from London to Jersey. So I've lived in London for the last about 14 years and I grew up in Jersey. So I'm coming back home but I've also started a new role in a school for children with complex social emotional and mental health needs including quite a few neurodivergent learners so the transition from city to island and advisory work to being school-based has been intense to say the least but I'm getting in the flow and I'm really excited to be bringing you an exciting episode today with Louise Mags, who is Clinical Director of PEX UK, home of the Alternative and Augmentative Communication Approach, the Picture Exchange Communication System, talking all about collaboration between home and school for PEX users. So you may have heard the term PEX. And it stands for the Picture Exchange Communication System. And this is actually a full circle moment for me as I wrote my undergraduate dissertation, which was, yeah, it must have been around 15 years ago, on the effectiveness of PECs. Because I was absolutely obsessed with picture communication and I've always been very passionate about the use of different alternative and augmentative methods of communication especially for our learners that may not be using speech or that they're at the early stages of communication development so yay if you enjoy this podcast and you want to learn more Louise and the team will be doing a free PEX online workshop this Thursday the 30th of March at 6 30 PM BST. So I'll share more information about this after this really insightful conversation about PEX use across home and school with Louise Mags. Enjoy. And here's your host, my favourite teacher, Steph Reed. Louise, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Now, some of our listeners may be familiar with the Picture Exchange Communication System. However, some listeners may be hearing it for the first time. So, would you be able to give uh, an overview about PEX and your role? Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Steph. Um, so PECS, as you just said, stands for Picture Exchange Communication System. Um, and it's a type of AAC, an augmentative alternative communication device. So what that essentially means is that it's something that could be used in replacement for speech. So mm -hmm. if there was an individual where speech hadn't developed or it hadn't been had been lost, we could use PECS there to help with them communicate or an augmentative communication system, which is there to really supplement speech. Mm -hmm. So you could have 
may be an individual whose speech wasn't very clear um, or maybe an individual who struggled to find the right words or didn't have a very broad vocabulary. Those types of learners might also benefit from using PECS. And I think it's quite a big misconception that people often think like PECS is just for somebody who can't talk or just mm. for somebody who has autism. And actually, there's a really broad range of people who could benefit from from using it in different ways yes um one of the nice things is that it builds communication Mm -hmm. so I work all the way with learners who come to the kind of a starting point of having very little functional communication Mm -hmm. maybe they've got lots of behaviors that they might use to try and get stuff or to try and get people to do stuff for them but those might not be foolproof and that might then result in quite a lot of frustration and upset and it's not nice for anybody Mm -hmm. Um, and what we can do there is just build really simple initiation skills so just teaching them really to hand over one symbol at a time Mm -hmm. and that just means they're showing interest in getting access to something and I'll sometimes refer to that as like the golden ticket because Mm -hmm. we're not expecting the learner to know what the picture means we're just expecting them to understand that this process of handing this symbol over gets them access to all those things that are really important to them Mm -hmm. Um, and then we kind of build from there like from like looking at typical development you'd see babies communicate with the people really close to them and then as they get more mobile they realize oh I can go and nag mum wherever she is Um, and we want to teach our pet users to do that too so to teach them to go find somebody to communicate with and hand over that picture yeah and then it's only after that point then that we start to teach them that different pictures have different outcomes so they have different meaning Mm -hmm. Um, and we have like really nice evidence-based approaches in teaching those skills so again it's not a prerequisite skill that learners need to come with in order to use PECS it's something that we can teach through the approach yeah um and then we build up to sentence level which is always an exciting time and mm-hmm. um, lots of people would have seen those sentence strips around with the little I want sentence starter yeah. um and that's a really nice time because you can also encourage some speech output there and yeah. it just makes communication feel a little bit more social I feel at that point it's like extending that skill quite nicely yeah um and then from there, the world is really your oyster then. You can teach all kinds of different skills. So you could have some learners who are really specific. Like I had a learner who only liked crunchy foods. So yeah. for him, we taught texture as the next skill. So hard versus soft. Mm-hmm. So instead of getting a yogurt out of the fridge, he'd get a yogurt out of the freezer because he would request, I want a hard yogurt mm-hmm. um, or I want a hard carrot because he wanted them raw and not cooked. And mm-hmm. um, Or you might have other learners who are really, really social and they want to tell you stuff about the world. And for them, you might move on to perhaps prioritizing commenting. So they might want to tell you what they see or hear or think or like. Um, So you can build up all of those skills and keep extending sentence structure then and combining all of those skills. That's kind of what we call advanced pecs. Um, And that's the time where communication gets really um, quite individualized. And it's a time where there's, lots of different symbols and sentence structures that we can be te- can be teaching so mm-hmm. it's really really like long breadth of skill that we could teach it's not like you get to a point and go oh pets is mastered what's next like there's mm-hmm. lots of different you could teach yeah 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 I uh, I I like what you said there about it's 
an exciting stage when you get to the sentences. For example, when I was teaching in an autism specialist school, one of the things that I, you know, really place a lot of emphasis on is, you know, in my planning, I was always thinking about how am I enhancing communication? So what are the vocabulary that we're using, myself and my team? What is the vocabulary that we want to teach the learners? And therefore, you know, thinking about, you know, the access to symbols or photos and thinking about, you know, not just the objects but also those verbs or all those really important doing words like for example like one of my favorite lessons to teach is food technology and cooking so you know you've got all of those wonderful you know like um, mixing or uh, like using different utensils and you know make the key there especially when we're thinking about pecs um, is having those resources ready because uh, it, it's really important, isn't it? Without them, then we're not giving the learners those opportunities. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of organisation involved mm-hmm. in being a good implementer of PECs, definitely. Yeah. Um, but like you say, if you don't have the symbols and you miss those opportunities, and then you're in the moment and you're like, oh, I wish we'd had a symbol to do X y and z i mean i always say the settings that i work in i always say keep a few blank symbols in your pocket with a Mm -hmm. sharpie pen and then if you do suddenly come across a moment where all of a sudden they like something they've never liked before draw a symbol and i i'm a terrible drawer so it's always Mm -hmm. a bad a bad drawing but draw a symbol and you've at least got it there for the moment yeah yeah that's that's a really good idea pop that picture in a book and then that's a little reminder for you like later on to make the real symbol but it just means you don't lose those opportunities which can be quite disheartening and and people kind of feel like oh you know we could have done it then and then we try and do it the next day and and the learner's not as interested and then they Mm. feel like they've missed it so quite a good way just to jump in and make the most of an opportunity yeah that's a really good tip and I was just thinking as you were talking going back to the point you made before about how the picture exchange communication system, you know, isn't just for um, maybe learners that are um, at the pre-verbal stage of communication, but also, for example, I was working with a nursery who introduced PECs to a child who at the time wasn't showing too much functional uh, communication skills so he wasn't using communication um, for a function and therefore when we introduced it it was almost like it really showed him that first of all there's that you know that communication message um, with somebody but also he and this is probably one of the the children that I've seen go through the stages of PEX the quickest. He really then learnt the names of, you know, all of the things that we were using for, uh, first of all, the PEX sessions, and then we took it out to the wider nursery. Um, so initially doing a very structured sessions and then out into the environment. And that he learnt the verbal language alongside using pecs and you know within 
one year, two years, I think it was, that he was just saying sentences without the use of pecs. It was just, you know, the way he it taught him to use communication and then also the speech as well. Yeah. Um, I think that's really important that, you know, I know I've spoken with maybe some parents who initially are a little bit concerned that the symbols are going to, or the, the, you know, the pictures, the photos are going to replace um, speech. But actually, I've definitely had a lot of examples and success stories where learners have um, either, you know, they've learned to use, obviously, the most important thing is, you know, the functional communication, they've learned to, yeah. to communicate with the symbols, but also, you know, that in some cases, the speech has developed alongside that as well. Yeah, definitely. And it's really nice to hear you say that as well, because that's what I've seen in my yeah. own practice, in my own experiences. So before I worked for PECS, um, my background is in speech and language therapy. So I was mm -hmm. using PECS a lot in um, specialist schools. And that would be what I would see is that actually PECS would really almost like scaffold that language development and you'd mm -hmm. initially teach a few key words and then the shorter sentences and then you could teach it to build that broader vocabulary um and I think it's really nice to see how how that can develop and it's it's really exciting as a teacher to be like yeah. we just like taught new words like that's so exciting um yeah. and it adds you know adds even like more function and purpose to what we're teaching because mm -hmm. we're not just teaching like a learning skill but we're also teaching communication which is like a little key that helps you open so many doors in the future so I think mm -hmm. it's so important that we embed all of our communication opportunities within our teaching like yeah Yes. keeping it within the lessons I think like something you mentioned about you start off with those like quite structured pec sessions and I think often people fall into the trap of thinking like right we're going to do maths and then we're going to do pecs mm. and then we're going to do snack whereas actually it's really nice I like to think about how we could sprinkle communication across the day yeah. like how can we do a little bit of communication in maths and a little bit of communication in snack because that's what we would see with our learners who use speech we would see them communicate all the time and I think really trying to map that to the, those same opportunities for our PECS users is, yeah. is really important for continuing that development like you say you can teach so much language but if we're only teaching it in specific contexts, it's going to be tricky to, to broaden the vocab that we're teaching yeah I think that's something that I tend to see sometimes in schools where maybe PECS has been initially started obviously with something motivating for some children that might have been um, food related or like you're saying maybe it's just a, a structured session using motivating items but then it's really thinking about broadening that out and I like to share with teachers the fact of you know if we can plan you know on our, on our lesson plans communication as an important part of that so we're always thinking about what are we doing within this lesson to uh, enhance communication you know what are those communication opportunities and then really thinking about okay you know what you know what can we do within this uh, lesson where maybe the learners are making choices throughout the 
throughout their learning or maybe it's something to do with the vocabulary um so yes i i think one of the tips i would uh suggest is always thinking about how are we uh giving those or making sure there are plenty of communication op opportunities throughout the day and i know a lot of the listeners will probably you know be really interested um to know about how we can continue that at home you know how can we you know work with families and use this communication in a way that um is supporting them in, in both contexts yeah definitely and it's you know when we see pets working at its absolute best we'll definitely see both home and school working together really, yeah. really well. Um, usually, you'll end up with one environment, typically one person, taking a bit of a lead on mm -hmm. it. And I've seen that work really successfully when it's the parents. And I've seen it work really successfully when it's the home. But yeah. like just somebody who's coordinating it, somebody who's, um, you know, coordinating who makes the symbols, mm -hmm. you know, who when we're collecting our data. And I know that's something a lot of people find tricky is the data collection. Mm -hmm. But especially when you're doing it over two environments, it's really important that we know what's working. Mm -hmm. And I think data typically especially if you are working in an education setting you have to provide a lot of data but it's mm -hmm. not usually data that's helpful for you and um, you know I'm talking more about the moment to moment data a quick you know record of how many times did they discriminate that picture accurately like mm -hmm. can we say that that that's showing some level of mastery and um, but somebody to coordinate all of that so that we know where is this learner right now what phase are they on have they re reached the mastery criteria? Because each phase has a specific set of criteria where we could say, yeah, brilliant, we can move on to teaching the next skill now. Because what we don't want to do is have a learner, you know, at phase three, where they're handing over just a single picture for mm -hmm. months and months and months, when actually we could have moved them on to sentences or, or mm -hmm. further. So I think having somebody to coordinate it is really important. Mm -hmm. And then I think making sure, like you mentioned previously, having the, the vocabulary ready is also important. Um, and then trying to find out what the learner likes. Mm -hmm. So doing lots of preference assessments. And for many of the learners who I work with, they like something today and then something different tomorrow yeah. and maybe something different in an hour's time. Yeah. So keeping up with those preferences. And once you're a few phases in with pets, once they've really learned, oh, this is really easy. Like handing over this picture is so simple and easy and it gets me what I want. I'd also encourage people to start thinking about like what might this learner need mm -hmm. in this activity. So if it was like bath time, it's a great time to use pets mm -hmm. um, because so many children love being in the bath. Um, so you could start off with some requests, you know, around bubbles. Do they want mm -hmm. bubbles or a bath bomb? They could make a request for that before they're even in the bath. What toys do they want in the bath? Um, are they going to want to wear a shower cap or not? Mm. So those types of things make some great requests to start off. Um, you can get amazing like crayons that go in the bath and, and, you know, they can draw all over them. Those are really nice options to make bath time fun. So there's lots of things that you might want in the bath. But then also, what could you need? Well, you might need a sponge. You might need help. 
you might need a towel at the end of the bath. So there's lots of extras then that you could build into like completion of the activity. Mm-hmm. Um, some learners will be very motivated to complete bathing because it's fun and they enjoy all the whole process. And then maybe after the bath, they know it's going to perhaps be like snuggles and a drink of milk or something. Or some learners might be more motivated to stay in the bath, but perhaps mm-hmm. then we give them some extra motivation, like we're going to read the book after or we're going to have a little slice of toast before bed so we're we're setting it up to be a really motivating activity to complete Mm -hmm. doing all those lovely requests while we're in there Mm -hmm. um so I think the sometimes people will get concerned that oh they can only ever ask for stuff that they want but building in that extra component component of what might they need is helpful mm-hmm. and then also if you taught lots of skills imagine like if you were in the bath and they could say I like bubbles um mm-hmm. you know I feel I smell even would be a great one with all the different like body mm-hmm. shampoos and stuff that they use so um there's lots of lots and lots of different communication opportunities there mm-hmm. yeah or even I was just thinking maybe it might be something that's not necessarily related but could be done at any time, like singing a song or something like this would be really nice. Yeah, yeah. I remember I worked with a mum and her son and um, one of his favourite things to do is bounce on a trampoline. But he liked it even better when mum sang a song while yeah. he bounced on the trampoline. So we taught him the whole of phase two, that travelling between the communication book and the communication partner just with his mum singing mm-hmm. and it, he was he was only about three I think he was super super cute mm-hmm. nice yeah I think what I found really 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 helpful is the sharing of videos between home and school so you really get that you know just seeing the learner in different contexts of course parents and family being able to see what you know what their children are doing at at school and then vice versa as well like as a teacher just knowing you know what because of course home and school are very different school is very structured so therefore um you know in some respects you know you we've got complete control over the environment and more so sometimes than you know home is different so, yeah, that can that can sometimes um, be challenging for parents and families. I know that's something that I've come across. I'd just like to take a quick pause from this wonderful conversation and say, if you are enjoying these podcasts and you're an educator or a parent of an autistic child, then you will absolutely love what I've built in my Autism for Teachers or Autism for Parents programs, which are a one-stop go-to toolkit for all things autism with videos, resources, practical online courses to get you upskilled, confident and prepared to support autistic children's learning and development in a way that helps them thrive and be the best version of themselves. We've got practical training resources on communication, behaviour, emotional regulation, sensory needs, transitions, teaching strategies, leading a team in the classroom and lots more. 
you can join on a monthly basis with the option to cancel at any time. Come and join today over at autismspectrumteacher.com. I don't know if you've, have you got any kind of tips for kind of successful PEX use at home? Um, I think having really clear expectations mm-hmm. is, is helpful. I think where I see big problems is when sometimes the learner's expected to use PEX mm-hmm. and then sometimes it's okay if they just maybe like point or scream mm-hmm. because the pointing and screaming really is easier because it's right there. The learner has their hands and they have their voice, have their voice on them all the time. And then if sometimes that works in getting them their favorite toy, but then other times maybe mom or dad are trying to get them to hand over a picture, it can kind of seem a bit like, well, why could I just scream yesterday Mm. and now I have to do all this effort of handing over the picture so Mm. when I'm working with families I'll often say like get yourself prepared first Mm. get your symbols made think about what they like get your communication book and get get yourself really organized like Mm. often they'll come to the training that we do we do a two-day workshop Mm. and um and parents always get a discounted price on that as well mm. if they wanted to come. Um, but when they come to the workshop, they're full of enthusiasm. Like, I really want to go home. I want to get going. And yeah. I love that. But also, if we're not organized and we go home and we kind of dabble in it, like we do a little bit, we can sometimes create a bigger problem down mm. the line. So I'll say, get yourself organized, get your symbols ready, your communication book, and then almost like put an X in the calendar. This is the day we're going to start. Mm-hmm. and you know maybe start it on a weekend where you know there's probably going to be more people in the house to help out more communication opportunities because we tend to be doing different stuff out of a routine on the weekend that might be more fun and more exciting um maybe even like half term holidays or something like that really good time to get started at home and then if you're starting it's almost like then that is just the expectation that mm-hmm. anything that the, the child wants from that point the easiest way for them to get it is going to be through using the picture exchange. Mm-hmm. And then if you set it up that way, when they do point and scream at something, that's okay. We're not going to like ignore that and pretend mm-hmm. it never happened, but that's a nice indication to us that we need to now prompt them to do that picture exchange. And then it's the picture exchange that's getting them access to the iPad rather than the, the pointing and the screaming. So I think mm-hmm. those consistent expectations are so important. Yes. On a platform to know what do I do when this happens? What do I do when that happens? And and keep that progression moving forward. Yeah. We're aiming for like 40 exchanges a day. That's our our aim. Um, Mm. And sometimes people can feel that that's a big target to begin with. Um, But I would say, like, if you're in a school setting, think about your whole day. And often maybe someone like six or eight activities between the in the day, divide that 40 by eight. And that's how many exchanges you need to have per activity. And mm-hmm. sometimes that feels a little bit easier. And then at mm-hmm. home, I'll say, you know, you've got your morning slot before school and your afternoon evening slot after school. Divide that up and have 40 across that those parts of the day. Mm-hmm. And then you could potentially have a learner who's communicating 80 times a day, mm-hmm. which pretty awesome you get some really really good outcomes if you're doing it that frequently yeah yeah I guess as well also what's important because I suppose some people might hear that and think like initially I guess that's quite quite a lot but I suppose it's building it up gradually 
Um, that's where I've seen it work successfully for when it's been first introduced. Because I guess you can't you can't initially just try and um, you know make it work all across the home environment. For example, maybe we're just focusing on um, one area and build it up. Is that is that is that what you would do in the home? I'd maybe like say set yourself a personal target so maybe say I want to be doing 40 a day by this date yes and today we're doing currently four a day okay well my next benchmark I'd like to meet is 10 a day and I'd like to be doing 10 a day by the end of next week maybe Mm -hmm. and if you're doing that you've already doubled what you were doing before which is then pretty impressive in itself Um, So I think those small steps are really important. And what I really do find when I work with both teachers and parents is that once they start finding those extra opportunities, more and more and more come really, really Mm -hmm. easily because they start to see like, oh, well, we did it in, I don't know, science yesterday. And this art activity is really similar to that. So we can replicate those same, even some of the same symbols, the same expectations here. And and quite quickly, then you build up a bank of symbols. And that's a lot of the hard work is mm. the laminating and the cutting. And once you've got that, then it then becomes easier to think, oh, I'll just grab that board of symbols that I can bring in for this activity. Or I know my learner's got those symbols in their book. We can, we can do that now. So yeah, building it up gradually. And then once you get to that 40, giving yourself a little pat on the back of, well done, yeah. we got to 40. And yeah. then thinking like, where do we go from here? There was yeah. a earlier teacher I was working with in the Southwest and her the kids in her class were probably age about four was probably the average age and they were averaging about 74 exchanges a day yeah which was pretty pretty good and they were all you know obviously because they were doing so many exchanges they had such good vocab in their communicating books and that obviously is going to have a really positive impact on on behaviors as well Mm -hmm. you know feeling less frustrated they're going to be happier and and ready to do all of that other learning that we need them to do yeah and I guess that's that is exactly what you know what we want for those learners where PEX is you know perhaps the most appropriate form of AAC uh, to be able to help them to communicate and therefore be in a much you know a much calmer much more regulated state and you know uh, more likely to be ready to learn yeah 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 I often think you know from from the perspective of some of our individuals who struggle with their communication it must really be quite an unpredictable and quite yeah. frustrating world to live in where you're not really sure what's happening you don't really have a lot of control over the stuff that is important to you mm-hmm. and, and one of the I guess the most frequently asked questions I get on workshops is well when they've asked for the reinforcer how do I get it back? Mm-hmm. And often I'm like, let's not focus on the, the getting it back because they've just realized they've got this amazing key that gets mm-hmm. them access to these things that they love. And then we're kind of saying, right, well, I'm going to take it straight back mm-hmm. off of them. And that's not going to work out so well. But what I do find is the more our learners use PECs, the more they see that the system works, it's effective, it's easy. They get that bit of faith in the system that, you know, when they have just asked for um, the ball Mm -hmm. and you kind of go, right, my turn with the ball, they're far more likely to give it back because they know it's okay, I can just hand over the symbol again and then I can have my turn with the ball. Mm -hmm. So I think it really helps lower a lot of those anxieties around reinforcers and things that are important to our learners. 
knowing that they have an easy way to get access to it when they when they want it yeah yeah so do you have any top tips or advice on maybe things that work and don't work yeah I think the probably the top one that we've already mentioned is consistency yeah um having those clear expectations and everybody trying their hardest to do the same thing um and I think that's where training can come in helpful because it just means that everybody's really clear on what pecs actually is um sometimes people will think if they're using a schedule they're using pecs you know if they're using a symbol they're using pecs I think just for everyone to be on the same page and knowing you know someone says oh they're a phase three pecs user that everybody knows what that means yeah the training will really help with that so I think consistency is really really important um having that strong communication between environments yeah um, we're working with a, a learner at the moment and um, a couple of our the consultants from PECS are working with a, a family and the learner goes to lots of different environments so they're mm. in school home and they have some respite support settings as well and our consultants are working with all members of the team in all yeah. those environments and just having that consistency has had massive improvements on their skill set mm. um and and you know it's not like nobody knew what they were supposed to do it's just that they weren't necessarily all doing it at the same time yeah. um, so having that oversight to get that happening has has really been helpful for that particular learner yeah Um, organization is important there's kind of two elements I think getting your symbols ready Uh and I see lots of ingenious ideas for storing symbols yeah Um, you know you get some people who are super organized and they have little drawers everywhere with all their symbols in or you know folders with them all in but knowing where your symbol is when you need it is really important um and being organized with your data as well so that you know Mm -hmm. you can have a look and that's often people I think don't consider data being so helpful until they have a problem until their learner maybe isn't mastering the phase as quickly as they short thought they would do or maybe they start doing like something we call double errors with discrimination and then they kind of don't know what's happening there and that's where the data is really important to help us understand what that problem is and how we can support the learner to to get through that mm-hmm. um and then I think also you know I was doing a workshop just last week and and somebody who's on the workshop said oh you know I'm pretty sure my learner who I'm working with like I don't I think doing phase one and two is going to take forever like is it okay if we never get to phase four and I think having that assumption of oh I don't think we'll get there um almost sets the learner up to fail because we're already thinking oh they're going to find it hard so yeah. then we start thinking, oh, well, we'll only do it a couple of times a day. And then mm. you, you're already stopping them from succeeding mm. because we're not just having enough practice. And I've implemented PECs with a really broad range of abilities, mm-hmm. you know, learners who have some great speech and we're using it to extend that, yeah. learners who are very social, but we can't understand their speech, mm-hmm. all the way through to our quite, quite typical ASD users. Mm-hmm. And then our learners who would kind of fall into that profession found multiple learning difficulties group PMLD learners where we have motor skill difficulties that we might be adding in on top of some of those um, learning needs as well 
and you know the learners there I remember the very first conversation I had with that teacher and and she just started working with that group of learners and she said to me Louise I, I can't even think about teaching them communication yet because I'm just worried about keeping them alive like that mm. was her her major focus but after a few months we got her on board and actually we had learners in that setting who were making three simple sentences Mm -hmm. um, and we were going on to making comments as well and I just think when we don't think our learners are going to do well they won't but Mm -hmm. if we think that they could and they might or either they should and they will then then we're definitely going to have those better outcomes so We have a bit of a saying at Pyramid, which is our learners show us what they know. Mm-hmm. We're not going to assume that they have particular knowledge in their heads because mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not in their heads, but mm-hmm. I can see what they do. So they show us what they know and they show us their skills. And that's how we know what they can do is what we see and then how we can support that to develop further. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely high expectations. Yeah, yeah, Mm. yeah. And I think the final thing I was kind of thinking about this before we spoke and, you know, making sure that people know where to get help and support if they need it. And I think people can sometimes assume like, oh, you know, if I want the PEX people to come and help me, it's going to be loads and loads of money. But there's there's loads of ways people can get help and support for free as a starting Mm -hmm. point. Um, So we have a Facebook group. It's called the PEX user support group Mm -hmm. obviously that's a free group to join and that's always um like moderated by consultants from around the world so if somebody on there doesn't know the answer our consulting team will and they will give people an answer to their questions yeah Um, and there's lots of free resources on our website as well that people can access so like lesson ideas and symbols um research if people like to read a journal article there's lots of those on there um so that's a really nice starting point and there's a whole little section on help and support that we can offer online or in person as well so there's there's lots of help out there if people need it um and, and lots of that is for free yeah that's great I'll put a link to that Facebook group and do you have any success stories that you could share maybe of you know, um, a learner where you've seen, uh, you know, really good progress and yeah. uh, like effective use of PECs across home and across school or other different contexts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have my all time. Yeah, you know, you have your favourites, yeah. don't you? When you, yeah. when you work with lots of kids and, and ones that really stick in your memory. And I have... Uh, uh, well, he's a young man now, but at the time when I first started working with him, he was a little boy um, yeah. and he was um, about six when I started working with him. Diagnosis of ASD um, and it, his mum had struggled to kind of come to terms with that diagnosis and get the support in place. But when she did, oh my gosh, she was like mm-hmm. on it at yes. that point she got herself on the pex training and she got herself trained up and she without any support from school initiated pex implementation at mm-hmm. home and mm-hmm. she got him through to the point of making sentences and, and that was when she then got our support and she had some consultancy support then because she felt like she'd like plateaued in how much she could do with him and mm-hmm. wanted help for more ideas of how to extend his language and how to embed it more you know how can I do this when we're cooking how can I do this when we're doing piano lessons like that that type of thing um 
And then from that, she ended up having a conversation with school around you know, this is what we've been doing at home, essentially, mm-hmm. like sharing what we've been doing at home. And school was so surprised because they were like, oh, he's only exchanging like single pictures here. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we really struggled to get him to communicate. So mum actually said, well, can I get Louise to come into school mm-hmm. and see what he's doing there and give some help and support? So we did exactly that. We went into school and we saw what was happening there. And same thing gave some ideas gave some support um and there again communication really took Mm. off he's making again much longer sentences Mm -hmm. um and then after probably probably I'd say another couple of years I mean his communication book was huge yeah he had two books he had a, a big book um, which had about 300 symbols in mm-hmm. and then he had a smaller book that he would carry around with him it was a bit more portable that yeah. had a symbol for the big book in there um, and he would make sentences like I want to watch Peppa Pig on mummy's phone in mummy's office mm-hmm. like really really advanced um, and it got to the point where we were kind of like saying to mum I think we need to put him onto a high-tech device now. Yeah. Like there's so much laminating going on here. Yeah. And and that was what happened initially with him. He moved on to a, um, a speech-generating device. Yeah. Um, again, we planned that transition really carefully. And the outcomes were fab. He transitioned onto it seamlessly. Yeah, um, brilliant. And then now he's actually a talker. Like, he mm-hmm. his speech developed from from that point and um he doesn't use any AAC currently um mm. and he uses speech all the time um mm. I think he's just he's in secondary now um and, and doing really well yeah um, but I think all of that really hard work that the whole team but particularly mum did yeah um, really key in his success definitely yeah brilliant oh, it's so good to hear like a, yes. yeah yeah that's great. And it this also made me think about some of the things that I have found that have really helped. Because one of the th- things that you mentioned when you were talking about that particular learner, that kind of consistency across home and school. Yeah. I guess where there is capacity, because I know home visits aren't, necessarily an option but I know this is something that I've really prioritized where I could in some of the schools that I've worked in to be able to have parents come into the classroom join in maybe uh, maybe in a lesson like cooking something something yeah uh, if that's possible I know that won't be possible for all learners but you know that's such a great opportunity for um, you know, to be involved, school and home, and also vice versa for teaching staff to be able to do home visits. Uh, if that's possible, I've definitely found that really, really helpful in terms of that consistency across contexts. Yeah, I think it just makes it a bit more real when you yes. can see it happening. It's like you mentioned earlier, like the video evidence. If mm. imagine working with either 
any setting and it could be that you know home is doing really well and school isn't on board or school is doing it really well and home isn't quite on board I always say like you know if you go to an an annual review and you've got a lovely report of how well text is going that's nice but a video a video of Mm. how good it looks that is so powerful yes Um, and I think those you know where you can have that more tangible interaction about what it looks like and I know lots of times it it can be tricky for parents to spend time with their own children in school because sometimes you know Mm. as soon as they see mum they want to go home but also like to do like class exchanges almost you know like the mums from mums and dads in this class the other class and vice versa and I've also worked with schools who do like text coffee mornings yeah so they'll do some teas and coffees they'll get the laminator out and the printer and people can come in and make some symbols while they have a cup of tea have yeah. a chat with other parents which is a you know massive support yeah um, and then also have a chat to the professionals who are there as well in that kind of more relaxed environment um, yeah. and I've seen that be really really effective. yeah I love that that's great yeah Oh, brilliant. Brilliant. Love a coffee morning, hey? Yeah, I do. I love a coffee morning just because, I, you know, if I had it my way, I'd have the, the parents in all the time. Yeah. But it's just such a nice way to have that, you know, a bit more of a relaxed time. You know, sometimes it might be, you know, a very informal chat, but also maybe we're actually going to, you know, focus on, I like that, you know, laminating pecs or making maybe talking about different ideas yeah endless opportunities yeah yeah I mean I've even had some schools where they've paid for a full workshop for their parents to attend Mm -hmm. which is amazing really that they've had perhaps maybe 40 of their parents come and attend the full workshop so that they just know that you know those parents are skilled and can go away and and implement the same things that that they're doing in the classroom Mm -hmm. um really really you know you know if you could pick a gold standard way of working that that would be it um but also schools who you know maybe get us to do an overview or something like that there's there's lots of ways that parents can be supported to get the right information and and get those skills so that they can you know teach just as effectively as the, the teachers doing in the classroom yeah yeah good and some things I've been involved involved in that have been really great in terms of developing maybe the community's understanding and um, especially for example when I was teaching in an autism specialist school we would go to the local shops and the local uh, restaurants and you know showing um, showing the staff about you know what PEX is why the children will be coming into the shop with these um, their textbooks and these symbols, what they're going to do. And all of the um, experiences I've had with all of those people in the community, they were more than, you know, welcoming of learning about it and then being involved as well. You know, the, the learners coming up to the counter with their with their um, yeah. their strip of symbols. And this was just this was just great because, you know, as well as the, for the children to be able to, you know, communicate what they wanted in these different contexts, but also for the, the community and for their understanding um, and to get to know 
you know those children as well so yeah yeah it's really important we did a a pex summer school last mm-hmm. year and um, we did two weeks um and in the summer holidays and the kind of key aim of the summer school was yes to come and have fun but also to get better at communication as well mm. um, and a massive part of that was getting out in the community going yeah. doing stuff that is difficult for some of these learners but giving them that opportunity to actually go to the park and go on swing and we you know went to a trampoline park and we went to um like a lake and we you know all these different places where we could go and utilize the skills that we've been practicing in our little summer school Um, Mm. and I think without that you know a skill within the classroom is great but if we're not generalizing it to all of those environments as well it's not going to be a skill that learner has forever so you know yes that crossover between home and school is important but also we need that crossover between the community the cafe the shop grandma's house everywhere that learner goes we we need communication to be happening yeah brilliant oh thank you louise that's That's that was a pleasure thanks for having me oh lovely a big thank you to louise mags clinical director of PEX UK. And if you would like to learn more about PEX, Louise and the team will be hosting a free online workshop over Zoom this Thursday at 6.30pm BST. And this will include an overview of the purpose of PEX, the pyramid approach to education, the six phases of PEX, and also about transitioning from PEX to speech or to a speech generating device. If you would like to save your free space, go over to the Facebook group Autism and Inclusive Teaching where you'll find a link pinned to the top of the page. If you found this podcast helpful, please consider leaving a really quick review as this can help more people find the podcast and information that may be valuable to them. A big thank you to those who have left a review. I always really enjoy reading them and I really really appreciate it it makes me want to continue doing more of these podcast episodes to know that there are people listening and that it is helpful so thank you you can find me on social media channels at stephreed underscore underscore or at autism spectrum teacher and over at my website autismspectrumteacher.com I've got some exciting episodes coming up, so make sure you are subscribed to the podcast so you get the next episode straight to your device. And I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye.